I've been thinking about my mom's life for a couple weeks now. Uh, I know I've talked to some of y'all probably privately, but not anything publicly, but um, as far as we know, my mom's earthly journey is coming to a close. Um, So I've been thinking about her life, and my mom's not in the place mentally or physically uh, for me to talk about maybe some things about mom you know what's it all about what what do you what do you think um, we're just uh, it's not where she's at but you know as I've thought about it for a couple of weeks what I realized and is that my mom's life speaks for itself if I just stop and think as a son. I think when you're a kid, you know, you don't really think about your parents. They're just your parents. Um, But like I said, I've I've spent some time thinking about my mom's life. I had opportunity about a year ago to talk with my dad about my mom's life, uh, about his life, but also my mom's life and uh, just some things that were significant and important. But my mom was raised in a Christian home and was saved as a girl, uh, a younger girl. When my mom was a younger lady, and I don't know, maybe 12, 13, 14, she told me uh, that she felt a call to missions. Several years after she'd been saved, she felt a call to missions. Now, I just need to tell you today that my my mother never was a career missionary. Um, But uh, my mom lived out that calling in her life, in the path that God set before her. And I'll tell you that the first mission field that she came to, as far as I'm concerned, was her family. And it was us three kids as she She led us in our faith. In fact, my mom, I would say, was the most influential person in my life, in in my spiritual journey. And so I I really believe my mom found her first mission field in her own kids. And uh, she served, we were raised in First Baptist Wichita Falls, and she served forever as a children's Sunday school teacher, but, but there's even beyond that, my mother uh, served in, in missions outside the four walls of the church, and you just don't think about these things until you kind of, you're at the point in the stage of life where we're at to look back and go, okay, what's it all about? But my mom was involved with what was called International Friends, I remember, and uh, it, was a, it was a Christian outreach to internationals in Wichita Falls. Many of them came through the uh, Shepherd Air Force Base. But it was taking internationals and sharing the gospel with them. Uh, really, after we had left home, my mother, there was one afternoon a week that, you know, she was involved in what, Big A Club. I don't know. It, it, was, it was an after-school program somewhere in Wichita Falls um, that um, was kind of a, a Bible club thing, and my mother would go to Big A Club, and 
Later in life, she was involved in the Christian Women's Job Corps. Don't even know that all that that in, entails. And, and she was also involved in uh, the Pregnancy Help Center there in Wichita Falls. And, you know, I would say, yes, my mother never served as a career missionary, but my mother lived out missions all of her years. And um, as I think back, uh, what I realized just reflecting is that my mom has left that legacy with us as a family. And I got to, I got to thinking about this. Uh, there's, I, I, I counted up among her kids, their spouses, their kids, their spouses. Uh, there are 24 of us in the direct line, either married in or biologicals. And uh, what I, I, I think my tabulation, there's 16 of us, 16 of the 24 are involved in missions, whether in my case, short-term missions, you know, to Africa, or some of my nieces and nephews have either been in career missions and are home now, serving as a missions pastor in the States, or uh, ones that are preparing to go. Uh, and I thought, Wow. No, that, that's the legacy right there of my mother's life that um, how God used a call on this girl's life uh, really that touches many parts of the world even to this day. And what I realized is that my mother has lived her life out of a sense of purpose. My mother lived out her life out of a sense of purpose. Um, the Apostle Paul came to the end of his life and he wrote a letter that I want us to look at this fall. I'm just warning you, this is going to be a pretty deliberative walk through what we would call a, a book, but it's a letter. 2 Timothy. And part of the reason I've come to 2 Timothy is because um, it was the last of Paul's books. In fact, he knows his journey is about over. Uh, in fact, I want, us to, I want us to get that perspective in, in these next several months of this perspective of Paul knowing that his time was short, and I, I filter everything he says in 2 Timothy through that and say, what was it that he was communicating? Uh, the Apostle Paul had the opportunity to talk to a spiritual son of his, Timothy, and tell him those things that what I will describe are essentials. They are life truths that matter. That's the way I filter everything that Paul says in 2 Timothy. This, these are essentials. Um, if, if you, uh, We're not going to do this. I know we're going to cover it later. But when you look at the end of Paul's letter, when we come to chapter 4, and he's going to talk about it. He says, the time of my departure is at hand. He knew it was close. He says to this young man in his life who is... A long ways away from him. He says, be diligent to come to me 
quickly. I think partly because, no, my time is short. Uh, man, there's some, there's some powerful words in here. He says, only Luke is with me. Everyone else. He says, at my first defense, no one stood with me, but all forsook me. Uh, and he, he kind of, the next to last verse, he says, do your utmost to come before winter. And obviously this, this letter would have been sent by someone carrying it. And it would have taken for sure weeks to get to Timothy and for Timothy to come and and I don't know historically. I don't know if Timothy made it to Paul who's in prison in Rome or not in time. Paul didn't know that he wasn't. And my point would be, as far as Paul knew, these would be the last words that he spoke to this young man. And I have to believe in every verse there is something essential that Paul was communicating to this young man. It's kind of interesting, and you can, you can go and read some of the biographical information, you fill in some of the blanks. Uh, you can look at 1 Timothy. And if you just, I've done that this, this week, you know, if you just read 1 Timothy, you realize it's kind of a book that the older pastor is writing to the younger pastor, and they're talking church business. 1 Timothy is about church business. Here's the thing, this is the way we're going to do things. But when you come to 2 Timothy, they weren't really talking about church business. They were talking about the things that were most essential, most important. And, and I really believe Paul knew in, in his mind that um, this was maybe the last words that he would ever speak uh, to this young man that he had invested 15 years of his life to uh, who was going to carry on his legacy? I want to just introduce uh, this this morning, and I want to talk about living in purpose. I'm going to introduce and I'm going to give some biographical stuff, and we're going to talk about a few things, but here's the point it is essential that we live in purpose, it, it's part of what was on the heart in the mind of Paul to Timothy, this challenge to live in purpose. I really believe we see it in the first two verses. And I want to just use these first two verses. We'll cover more verses than this in subsequent sermons. But notice just the introduction to the letter. And let us, we'll kind of fill in some blanks of, of introductory matter uh, through these. But it says in 2 Timothy 1.1, it says, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, according to the promise of life which is in Christ Jesus, to Timothy, a beloved son, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. Uh, in many respects, it's a very typical Introduction to an ancient letter, ancient letters, uh, the author of the letter, and this actually makes more sense than what we do. We sign a letter at the end, but in ancient times, it's really more logical. It's like, hey, this, it's me, it's Daryl. <laughs> Here's some things I want to say. Paul starts by introducing himself, and then typical that he's going to uh, introduce the person that he is writing it to. 
And then there is this traditional uh, greeting, blessing, uh, where he says that the second half of verse 2, he says, Grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. Uh, it's kind of interesting that in the Greek culture, they would, have, they would have at this point used the word grace. Grace to you. Just a traditional greeting. Uh, in, in the Hebrew language, they would have said uh, peace, or the Hebrew word would have been shalom. Shalom to you, peace. And so Paul kind of takes the Greek and he takes the Hebrew as he does in almost all of his letters. But then for Timothy, and I think it's unique to First and Second Timothy, he, he throws in a little mercy there in between. Nothing wrong with a little mercy in between grace and peace is there. And so you kind of get the heartfelt nature of this letter. This is someone who is close to him. Uh, but obviously, the grace and mercy and peace are from a, a Christian perspective because it's from God the Father and Jesus Christ, our Christ Jesus, our Lord. Um, but in verse 2, I kind of want to, I'm working backwards through these verses. The recipient of the letter, it says, to Timothy a beloved son. And I want you to, to see the, I want to define the connection between Paul and Timothy, and this will help us in the weeks to come to understand what he's saying. And one of the things I want to say is Paul did not sit down and go, you know what, before I die, I think I'm, I'm assigned 13 books in the New Testament, and I really need to pen another one. And let me see, I think I'm going to write a, a letter to Timothy and blah, blah, blah. I want you to know, I don't think that is at, at all in Paul's mind. This is personal correspondence that was so impactful first to Timothy that then it becomes impactful for the, church, the early church that then they begin to say, no, these are the words of Paul that he wrote. Understand, this is, this is not some kind of ecclesiastical uh, treatise that Paul decided to write. This is a personal letter. And you need to understand it in that way. And he writes to Timothy, and you see the heartfelt nature of this, a beloved son. We're introduced to Timothy uh, in Acts chapter 16, these are the only other verses I want to read today. And you can either flip over, we'll show you these on the screen. But uh, in the second missionary journey of Paul in Acts 16, it says, uh, Then he came to Derbe in Lystra, and this is in Asia Minor, modern-day Turkey. And behold, a certain disciple was there named Timothy, the son of a, a certain Jewish woman who believed, but his father was Greek, he was well spoken of by the brethren who were at Lystra and Iconium. Paul wanted to have him go with him, and he took him and circumcised him because of the Jews who were in that region, for they all knew that his father was Greek. Uh, Timothy is a, a believer uh, from the city of Lystra. Uh, the year probably is about the year 51 A.D., uh, if it helps you any, uh, Paul is probably writing 2 Timothy in 66 AD. So Timothy and Paul have known each other for about 15 years. Uh, but it's fairly certain that on the first missionary journey, which Paul also covered 
went through Lystra, that Timothy and his family, at least his mother and his grandmother we know, came to faith in Christ. And initially, Timothy becomes a travel companion to Paul. It's almost like the story of John Mark. And so you have to think about that this young man is initially a travel companion of Paul. And you have, to, you have to think about all that happened in the book of Acts. And we see in the letters of Paul and all the things that are going on in that 15 years. All of these experiences, or most of them, Timothy is with Paul. Everything that is said that happened to Paul, you just go, no, no, Timothy was there when that happened. So I'm talking about this was, this was 15 years of intense ministry uh, and, and gospel, not just for Paul, but also for Timothy. In fact, Timothy is mentioned more times than any other travel companion to Paul, 24 times more than Barnabas, more than Silas, Titus, whoever it is. And that's in the book of Acts, that's in his writings. 24 times he's mentioned more than any other person uh, that's related to Paul's circle. But also Timothy becomes a fellow minister. Because there's at some point that God, he's more than a travel companion, he becomes a, a, a minister. That he is called by God and he is mentored by Paul, not just to be an assistant in the logistics of the missions team, but no, he is a fellow minister. Yes, he's younger. But the third thing that we see about Timothy is that he was Paul's representative. And you see this throughout Acts, you see it through the writings, that uh, Timothy is given these assignments. Well, let's just be honest, most of the time it's when Paul's getting run out of town or he's in prison. It's like, Timothy, listen, I need you to go to Ephesus. And I need you to take care of this business. I need you to stay here while I'm run out of town, Thessalonica, to make sure that the church is established here. And so he starts as a travel companion, becomes a fellow minister, but later in those years he becomes Paul's representative in which he is given assignments. And what you really see is that Paul is beginning to pass down the ministry to Timothy. So the sense that he says there in verse 2 that he is a beloved son is that uh, Paul has led him to faith. He is a spiritual son in the Lord. Um, uh, it, really, it really denotes not only a close relationship, you're not just a partner, you're a son, you're a beloved son, but it denotes an age difference, that Paul was older, Timothy was younger, and there is a role difference. Paul is the mentor and uh, Timothy is the apprentice. And so that's, that's kind of, that's some historical stuff. And we'll see some more about Timothy. But let's talk about Paul. This really comes down to my point that I want to make today. Other than just introducing our study. It says Paul, this is the way he starts his personal correspondence with Timothy. Paul an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God according to the promise of life which is in Christ Jesus. And actually I knew when I started this week that I was going to preach from these two verses and I was going to introduce this and didn't really know for sure the direction I was going. Here's the thing that struck me. Is that Paul says to Timothy 
I am an apostle of Jesus Christ. Now, Daryl Smith just sitting in my office thinking about that. I'm going, well, obviously Timothy knows that. This is personal correspondence. Why does Paul have to? This is kind of a big title, apostle. It's like, maybe y'all don't know it. In fact, my mother always wanted people to refer to me as Dr. Smith, okay? This is what mothers do. When you get your doctorate, mothers said, shouldn't they be referring to you as Dr. Smith and not like Papa D or something like that? It's like, Mom, come on, get really. So I don't, I don't pull out the doctor thing very much. Uh, but this is, like, this is like Paul bringing out his title, an apostle. And I'm thinking, Timothy knows that. This brother's been working with you for the last 15 years. You don't have to tell him you're an apostle. But there was some. I thought, what is it? There is something that Paul is communicating here, and it relates to Paul's calling and his purpose in life. And it's not just that Paul was throwing out a big title, and I don't know, he didn't have to impress Timothy. He was communicating something to the young man that he was passing down the ministry to that my life has been dictated by the call and the purpose of God. I am an apostle. There was a day that I, I, I was encountered. I was, I, was, I was stopped on the road to Damascus by Jesus Christ. The resurrected Christ appeared to me. And on the road to Damascus in that experience, it wasn't just that Paul was saved. It's that he was called. God gave him a purpose. Yeah, I'm going to save you out of your sin, you wretch, Paul. But I have an assignment for you for the rest of years. Probably that happens in the year 36. And so if we, we're at 66 now when he's writing this 30 years. Paul has lived out that calling purpose. There was one word, the calling, the purpose of God on his life, an apostle. And there's a message that Paul is making to Timothy. Son, you need to think about your own calling and what it is that, what is God's purpose in your life. And he's going to get to that in the letter. But I believe the reason that he uses that big title is because he wanted to set the tone there was something that God called me to do, and I've lived out of that purpose for the last 30 years. An apostle, uh, literally the Greek word means one who is sent. It is the sense of one who is an authorized representative, like we would think of an ambassador. Uh, this is an authorized representative of someone who is in greater authority. Paul tells us who that person in greater authority is when he says, I'm an apostle of Jesus Christ. I've been sent on a mission. He found me. He called me. I am his authorized representative. He is the authority figure. He, he qualifies that, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God. This was the will of God when God saved me that day. In that Damascus experience, this is what God had in mind. This is how God wanted to use my life. This is by the will of God. And then he qualifies it further by saying, according to the promise of life, which is in Christ Jesus. I've thought about that phrase this week, rolled it through in my brain, meditated in, about it in my heart. 
Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, according to the promise of life. In the calling of God, there was a promise of life. And yes, that is life that Paul would say at the end of my journey, I know that there is eternal life that's waiting for me, but I I don't think that's really it. Uh, That may be in Paul's mind, but what Paul was saying was for me to live out the will of God in my life is real life. Uh, Let me describe it this way. I've told you this story if you've been here for the last 54 years that I've been your pastor, it's not been that long. It just seems like that long. The morning, for several weeks, back in the summer of 1979, God was speaking to me about the calling of my life, and I resisted, I resisted, I resisted. Came to a Sunday night church service in which God was very clear to me. And like Jonah went and hid in a boat, I went home and I hid in bed. And I went to sleep that night, and somewhere in the morning, 3 a.m., 4 a.m., 2 a.m., I don't know, God woke me up, and God said, as clear as I've ever heard God say, you know what I've called you to do. God didn't have to go over it again. And I've shared this with you before. The thought process in Daryl Smith's little pea brain, not the brightest bulb on the tree, even though my mama told me I was special, okay? She did. My thought was, I know what God has called me to do, and for me to not do that, there is no way life can turn out. It will be the most miserable life. I had enough sense to say for me to resist the will of God is just uh, doesn't make sense. That was my thought process. The only real life I could live was a life lived in the will of God according to his calling and his purpose. I think that's what Paul's saying. An apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God according to the promise of life. It would be the greatest life possible I believe in these words that we it it would be easy for us just to run past that Paul was communicating to Timothy about a life of purpose my truth for the day is that essential to real life is gospel purpose essential to real life is gospel purpose I believe Paul even in these introductory words was communicating one of the essentials of real life and that is that we would have purpose and that purpose was center, would center on the gospel. God saved Paul for a reason and that was for the gospel's sake. 
that is true for all Christians. It's not just true for Paul and his calling. It is not just true for Daryl Smith and his calling. The reason I started my sermon with an illustration from the life of Sandra Smith She's probably more like you in that sense, in, in the path of life that God set before her. But my mother lived out a sense of purpose that she discovered in Jesus Christ. Do, do you understand what I'm saying to you? Do not dismiss this and say, oh, well, Brother Darrell, that's essential for you and Paul and some other special people like that. No, 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 no. If Jesus saved you, he called you to a purpose. Could I just challenge you in this last minute that you find your purpose where you are, where God has placed you. That would be your family first. Uh, we've had a neat couple weeks about a month in our church of just some kids who have come to faith and have had the opportunity to sit down with those parents and sometimes those parents are kind of this is their first kid who's gotten saved and it's like walking through that experience with them and going hey this is this is this is the way we're going to do this and this is how this goes where was my mother's first mission field it was her kids May I suggest to you that you find your first mission field in your own family and maybe your kids if they're still at home? Would you find your purpose in your work? You may spend more time at work than you do with your family. It's not by chance if you're a Christian that God has placed you there and there's a gospel purpose for that. Find your purpose in your church and ministry through that. But find your purpose also outside of your church and your work because there are, there are things in your life where God has given you co connections with people for the purpose of the gospel. Could I just challenge you as, as we close? Don't just spend your time of your life. Don't just live life with your family, your work, your church and your extracurricular things. Don't just spend your time. Invest your time for the sake of the gospel. Because the only real life is lived in gospel purpose. Amen? Amen. I'm going to ask you to stand this morning. I'm sorry I went a few minutes over. Last Sunday I let you out way too early anyhow. Getting that time back. I'm excited about uh, this summer and what's coming forward. I want to pray to close. And while our live stream's still with us, uh, really our two big things coming up is, well, a couple things. We've relaunched our Sunday school classes. So we have in-person classes. We're also still doing Zoom in a number of those classes. Next Saturday, we have our Impact Conference through Unity Baptist Association. This is going to be a great training event. Uh, we want to invest in you as you invest your time and energy and ministry in our church. Get with Cricket. We have to send in that. We'll pay for it. The church will pay for it. Uh, it's next Saturday morning at Southside Baptist Church. Get with Cricket. We need to send in numbers tomorrow and names. So get with Cricket today. You can message her. 
Um, also, um, Wednesday after next, September 2nd, we'll have Bob Smiley. We're going to kick off our fall activities on Wednesday night. That'll be a, a great event you can do. We'll do around tables, and you can do some social distancing, sit with your family, whatever you need to do, but that'll be a family event. And so if you'll be looking forward to that, we'll talk more about that later. Uh, so um, let's give ourselves to the purpose of God in our lives. It's the only real life we can live. And so I want to pray, and uh, we'll be dismissed today. Father, we love you, and we thank you for not only your salvation, uh, but giving us purpose in life. And Father, I pray that we would, um, we would live that out for your glory, and that it would make an eternal difference in other people's lives. And Father, we trust this to you, and we pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.